0: enough of that. Welcome to the Environmental Justice Report. Um, I'm your host and producer, Janine Moloff, and I always love that beginning, that little bit where the crowd, it's it's from actually an actual, it's from an actual protest, and they were chanting, and I just, instead of having music, that's music to my ears. So tonight we're going to talk about the EPA, and the title is How the EPA Was Defanged and let polluters off the hook. So just the other day, the new EPA administrator for President Biden, namely Michael Regan, was in my hometown of St. Louis. And he met with the environmental activist group known as Just Moms, or The Moms. Now, this is a group that's been fighting to make the federal government do its duty and clean up and remove illegally dumped nuclear fuel in an unprotected landfill situation in, I'm sorry, an unprotected landfill situated in the middle of the suburbs. And this landfill is known by its infamous name of Westlake. Now, the moms were really grateful to meet with the EPA administrator, along with our first district congresswoman, Cory Bush. Regan seemed ready to get the job done, along with President Biden. And that's wonderful. Unfortunately, there's some complications that Perhaps both President Biden and Michael Regan, the new head of EPA, hadn't factored into the equation. And that's mainly the role of long-term government career agency heads and the, defund, the defunding of the very mechanism established to pay for toxic cleanups like Westlake Landfill. which and, and that mechanism is the Superfund. So apparently it seems there are some career scientific administrators who have basically not respected the need for transparency and accountability. And this pattern stretches way back, long before Trump. So Trump's administration was particularly egregious and obvious regarding open corruption. So this is the first part of the report about the career risk that, again, make sure there's no meaningful accountability. The second part of the report, which is a little shorter because it's more direct, it deals with the simple fact. But in 1995, a GOP-dominated Congress uh, with Newt Gingrich as the Speaker of the House allowed this part of the Superfund, the rule called polluters pay, they allowed it to expire. Okay? So basically, the EPA was set up in, I believe, 1980, and there was this part, this, the Superfund was set up then, and there, I'm sorry, the Superfund was set up in 1980, excuse me. And there was this rule called polluter's pay that was inserted into it. And it's kind of a version, it's basically a takeoff on the old idea, you broke it, you bought it. In other words, if you basically polluted, you you must pay to clean it up and provide restitution for the damage you caused. And, again, the GOP allowed that rule to expire in 95. And since then, the taxpayers have been saddled with the bill for toxic pollution that corporations have caused and produced. That's the second part of the report. So let's just get started. Um, First, I looked at a piece published in The Intercept by Sharon Lerner. And the, the headline was simple, the fight to clean up the EPA. Trump nearly broke the EPA. Can the Biden administration repair the damage? Well, here's what happened. Lerner wrote about this, and the EPA apparently acknowledged that, quote, over the past few years, I am aware that political interference sometimes compromised the integrity of our science. Now, that quote came from Mikhail Friedhoff, who is the Acting Assistant Administrator for EPA's Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention, and that quote was was written in a March 10th internal memo. Now, Friedhoff pointed to a 2020 risk evaluation involving the chemical trichloroethylene, and apparently Friedhoff said that that particular evaluation was altered, if you will, in other words, tampered with, at the direction of White House staff under under Trump. Don't you just love this? She said it was altered. Why not just say what it was? It wasn't just altered. In other words, they tampered with data. The Trump administration. So, apparently, the 2018 decision to re-register uh, this pesticide, with dicamba, which is apparently carcinogenic, um, it was basically senior leadership directed career staff to basically disregard the scientific any scientific data. On the negative impacts of that particular uh, chemical, there was also an assessment on a toxic compound known as PFBS. The EPA released on tr- which, with which EPA released on tw- Trump's very last day in office. Okay, talk about sneaking it in, right? And here's the thing: the assessment of the toxic compound PFBS, again, EPA released it on Trump's last day in office. Friedhoff described that particular um, memo that it contained conclusions that were, according to Friedhoff, "quote the product of biased political interference." You got to say that again, okay? Friedhoff said that this assessment of a toxic compound, PFBS, which was released by the EPA on Trump's very last day in office, was was basically characterized by Friedhoff as having conclusions that were, quote, the product of biased political interference. Wow. Friedhoff went on to saying, as she wrote it, actually, quote, that interference undermined the agency's scientific integrity policy and eroded the trust that the American public has in EPA, the quality of our science, and our ability to protect their health and the environment. Okay, that's a lot basically what Friedhoff was saying is that non-scientific personnel, and perhaps some scientific personnel, politics dictated what was going to appear in a scientific report. Okay, in other words, the Trump administration appears to have tampered with data that went into an official EPA assessment. Okay, now this problem of internal interference within EPA is going to be something the Biden administration is going to have to deal with. And they're going to have to, according to Lerner, recommit to scientific integrity throughout the entire federal government. So, you know, President Biden on his first day in office issued an executive order and he pledged to do the following, quote, to listen to the science, to improve public health and protect our environment, to ensure access to clean air and water to limit exposure to dangerous chemicals and pesticides, end quote. Then a week later, President Biden's White House issued a memorandum, and it basically presented a plan for how federal agencies would go about restoring any sort of trust in scientific integrity. Okay? You have to remember, this may sound relatively simplistic, but the past four years, you had, according to Lerner, the writer of this report, political and corporate interests, quote, that routinely prevailed over law and expert knowledge. I'm going to say that again. During the past four years, quote, political and corporate interests routinely prevailed over law and expert knowledge. Tampering with data. So science took a hit. We all know that the EPA and throughout the federal government, any reference to climate change was basically – wiped clean from any of the websites okay talk about cancel culture that's the ultimate cancel culture and it got worse than that in the oval office according to what Sharon Lerner wrote Trump altered hurricane, Trump altered hurricane forecast with a sharpie and that's according to an article in the Guardian and then we all know he hyped covid drugs that were totally ineffective and that was documented in the intercept but we know about the covid drugs but we didn't know that trump was changing hurricane forecasts with a sharpie good lord but the epa was censored in more ways than that okay and i'm going to name five of them according to this article first of all number one Industry insiders, I'm reading straight from a quote, industry insiders oversaw the disappearance of information about climate change from the agency's website. And that's according to the, the Intercept they wrote, and Reuters. Number two, quote, there was a reversal of the proposed ban on the neurotoxic pesticides chloropyrifos. And that was as documented by the Intercept. Number three, this is one that's really damning. There was alter, they altered scientific documents to downplay cancer risk. And that was again, by, according to the intercept. But think about this for a second. The Trump administration had people altering, in other words, tampering with data, tampering with scientific data, scientific documents to basically quote, "downplay cancer risk. Anybody who's lost a loved one to cancer, should be mad as hell about this. Number four, companies were invited, according to the Intercept, by the EPA to remove evidence of carcinogenic pollution from the public record. I'm going to read that again. This is so damning. According to this article, there was, quote, invitation of companies by the agency, in other words, the EPA, to remove evidence of carcinogenic pollution from the public record. Again, tampering with evidence. Anywhere else, this would be a felony. And number five, there was a wide range of rollbacks as documented by the Intercept that were consequential to the environment and human health, okay? So we have this ongoing pattern by the Trump administration of basically tampering with scientific data to let big corporate off the hook, even if it meant tampering with data that downplayed cancer risk. But it gets worse than that because this was going on even before Trump, though, and we'll get into that. So Michael Regan, he's Biden's new EPA administrator. You know, he's, he's determined he's going to get this right. To quote Regan, quote, scientific integrity is one of EPA's foundational values, end quote. And he followed through, okay, he did. Uh, according to the Washington Post, Regan basically fired more than 40 advisors that were part of the agency's science advisory board and Clean Air Scientific Advisory Committee. And, they were, and this was the same committee that Trump had basically filled with industry operatives. So Regan's starting out good. All right? No complaint there. Whether or not he's going to be able to get through all the other insiders that are tampering with data, that remains to be seen. So now we get into the meat. Dr. Francesca Grifo. She is the EPA's top scientific integrity officer, has been there since 2013. Okay? She's a scientist. She's worked for the Union of Concerned Scientists. Her resume is incredibly impressive. So she's heading up the work of basically, quote, rooting out anyone who's caused some political interference in the agency. And she said, quote, we're on a reset, end quote. And that's what she told The Intercept. And she continued. She went on. She described the process where she informed staff members about the agency's, quote, science integrity policy. And she encouraged them to speak out about violations and to speak out and identify any gaps that left the agency vulnerable to any administration, now or in the future, that didn't like, you know, what they had to say. And brief was quoted by The Interceptor saying, we will be seeking to close the loopholes. Everything's on the table, end quote. Okay, well, that sounds good, too. But as the EPA began that, there were some staff and environmental experts that really were leery about this, okay? They just didn't think that Grifo would be able to basically demolish the the industry interest that have basically corrupted the agency. So let's get into it a little more, naming names. Earlier this month, the EPA uh, sent out an updated toxicity assessment for PFDS, the PFAS compound, Um, That was basically the subject of the Trump administration's incorrect assessment earlier in the year, and it had been waiting for assessment two years before that. But here's the thing. Agency officials haven't named or held accountable the people that were responsible for this stalling and for this interference with that very needed assessment. And agency officials haven't named or held accountable any of the other breaches of scientific integrity that have been already identified. My question is, why isn't the DOJ investigating what's happening in the EPA? And it turns out the agency doesn't want to punish employees or former employees who may have undermined the agency's operations. This is according to Dr. Grifo. Quote, Dr. Grifo told The Intercept, quote, we're not playing a blame game. The way our scientific integrity policy is written is that specific disciplinary accountability is not in our lane. So our work is to figure out what, what happened and safeguard the science, end quote. Okay, I'm tired of this. Grifo's wrong. This identifying who did what isn't a blame game. It's about holding people legally accountable for wrongdoing. It's called rule of law, and any government administrator that has a problem with rule of law should be fired and possibly investigated for obstruction of justice. And as I said before, Grifo has an impeccable resume. You know, I suspect she's just trying to limit her responsibility to the science venue and leave legal questions to the agency lawyers. But this, at this time, there's no way to separate the two issues. When a scientist fails to out or, or to expose political interference, and that same political interference is necessary to implement policies which expose our people to dangerous elements, then you can't insist on this ludicrous Chinese wall of separation. And maybe Griffo's choice of words, you know, that whole blame game idea, was unfortunate. But the issue of scientific corruption and potential obstruction is too serious to ignore, especially when we're talking about potential carcinogens in the air we breathe and the water we drink. So, no, this, Dr. Griffo, this isn't a blame game. This is about rooting out the very corporate corruption that grants corporate entities the legal right, if you will, to potentially poison all of us, one breath at a time. And Lerner apparently agrees. Um, in fact, Lerner went on in her article, you know, Lerner says, you know, basically the choice to not hold wrongdoers accountable, leaves the agency vulnerable to ongoing corruption. That's a direct quote. And there were many science, and government experts that were interviewed in her article. For instance, Eric Olson, who is an attorney that began his career at the EPA, and he now directs the Natural Resource Defense Council Advocacy Initiative on Health, Food, and Agriculture, was quoted as saying the following, quote, the science integrity policy itself is pretty good, but if you have routine violations of the policy with no known consequences, it means that it's a paper tiger that isn't worth the paper it's written on. End quote. Amen. And, and Lerner goes on to say, quote, without consequences, the scientific integrity policy is essentially greenwashing. End quote. And Sharon Lerner's is right. We go to another uh, expert, Bill Hersey. Now, Bill Hersey is a chemist. And he worked at EPA between 1981 and 2008. And he spoke about the need for greater accountability as well. Hersey was also the chemist who helped to author one of the EPA's first science integrity policies, and he's blowing the whistle. To quote Hersey, quote, there should be disciplinary action of some meaningful sort, employment consequences, demotions, suspensions, okay? Um, And he said the same thing. If there's no consequences, this, this whole scientific integrity policy is greenwashing. And to quote Hersey, quote, it looks really good on paper, and when they go to congressional hearings, they can trot it out but when bad stuff is happening in the agency, there is no way for them to remedy it, end quote. Hersey went on to point to a provision inside that same scientific integrity policy that specifies, quote, it does not create any obligation, right, or benefit for any member of the public, substantive or procedural, enforceable by law or in equity by any party against the United States, its departments, agencies, or entities, It's officers, employees, or agents, or any other person. That means you can't grieve it, and you can't bring any action against management for violations of it. That's the poison pill, end quote. And he's right. This scientific integrity policy is garbage because it has no fangs, right? There's no no way to hold people accountable. There's no enforcement mechanism. Now, Hersey served as an officer of the EPA Headquarters Professionals Union for 20 years. Bet you didn't know they had a union, but they do. And Hersey Hersey noted that there's five unions that represent EPA employees, and not a single one of them was consulted when the current policy was drafted, and none of them had a role in addressing complaints lodged through it. Now, Dr. Francesco Grifo, again, in my opinion, continues to obfuscate. She said the EPA's inspector general undertakes those investigations, some of them anyway. But she also went on to say that the EPA inspector general's office really focuses on criminal cases of waste, fraud, and abuse, and that they've only gone after a very limited number of employee integrity cases in recent years. Okay. My question to Dr. Grifo is this. Isn't covering up data or tampering with honest data a case of criminal fraud? Given that that same data in question could result in policies which allow polluters to continue polluting with relative criminal and civil impunity, isn't that a case of possible collusion or or even worse, conspiracy to commit fraud? And what of the public's rights? What about the communities, especially communities of color who increasingly suffer under policies based on fraudulent data? With an entire host of issues ranging from increased cancer rates to neurological impairments. Where are the reparations for for that damage? Now, Dr. Grifo, this tampering with scientific data is not a victimless crime, and your vision of accountability is woefully inadequate. Now, there was an EPA scientist who went unnamed, one of many, actually, who filed a complaint on the scientific integrity issue. And this scientist claimed that um, Grifo's office claimed that, yeah, it's important to hold corrupt actors, as they call them, responsible. Um, quote, there have been multiple recent meetings about scientific integrity recently, and over and over they say that they are not here to punish. Quote, the word punish always comes up here as, we are not here to punish. We hear that they want to create a new culture moving forward. But if there are absolutely no consequences when breaches of scientific integrity happen then the policy doesn't have any effect end quote and it's true they're not here to punish but what is accountability accountability is when somebody does something wrong you hold them responsible and you demand that they provide restitution as well as they're punished so yes accountability must contain a component of we're here to punish, otherwise there's no deterrent, good lord. And this particular scientist spoke on condition of anonymity to the intercept, and they weren't, they didn't even, they didn't want their name, division, or research subject mentioned. But that particular complaint, according to the intercept, is one of hundreds, of hundreds of EPA staff members who reached out to, um, to Griefo's office during the Trump administration, okay. Now, Dr. Griefel herself presented to EPA staff on March 31st some slides where 73 people um, tried to obtain help from her office in 2020 alone. That's tripled the number in 2016. According to this article, quote, the biggest proportion of those, 64%, complained of interference. Others alleged suppression Manipulation of scientific evidence and alteration of scientific products, end quote. Again, tampering with data that lets corporate off the hook. If you did this in any other venue, there would be punishment. People would be charged with multiple felonies. Why, why, is, why are these EPA employees, especially Dr. Cruz, why are they off the hook? And there's a lot of scientists that really felt totally unprotected by Grifo's office. Um, An EPA staffer that filed a scientific integrity allegation that is in Grifo's office um, was quoted saying, I am under so much mental strain, I couldn't get out of bed for a while, end quote. The scientist works on an issue of significance to public health. Okay, we don't know what that issue is, but we can pretty much guess and described witnessing their superior, in other words, whoever their superior was, quote, altering their work in a way that they believe could result in widespread health consequences. Okay. This is an allegation of evidence tampering that could, I'm assuming, negatively impact, in other words, that that could harm the public health. And the quote is, I lie awake at night thinking about the impact this is going to have on the American public, end quote. We've got more. Kyla Bennett uh, is the director of science policy at PEER. Now, PEER is an organization that supports environmental whistleblowers. And Bennett discusses this utter lack of transparency, accountability, and honesty at EPA. And Kyla Bennett said that this unnamed scientist isn't alone. Quote, to quote Bennett, quote, some of my clients who are involved in the scientific integrity process regularly call me sobbing on the phone because they're so afraid that, they're, that their inability to stop the agency from doing what it's doing will harm the American public. Okay, end quote. So not only are these violators not punished, but whistleblowers suffer unofficial punishment. Okay? Uh, to go on, um, quote, These are some of the scientists. Everyone I know or talked to who has filed a complaint has been retaliated against. And so far, no one who has done the retaliation has been held accountable, end quote. Okay? So where has Dr. Grifo been in this corrupt culture? I mean, it seems that she merely perseverates on the official line that we're not here to punish, but she refuses to follow through on these claims which appear to be meritorious. And these claims that if left alone, that if these claims, if, ne- if continually neglected, could harm our health nationwide. We don't know how many EPA employees have faced that kind of retribution, but there was a 2020 survey involving 181 staff members, and this was the agency's Office of Pollution Prevention and Toxics, and it suggested that the abuse is rampant, Okay. Only 41% of those surveyed agreed with the following statement, quote, I can disclose a suspected violation of any law, rule, or regulation without fear of reprisal. Only 41% felt they could do that. And it gets worse. 18% of the respondents agreed with the following statement, quote, my organization's senior leaders maintain high standards of honesty and integrity, only 18%. So now we're getting through this. So the new administrator, Michael Regan, appears to want to do the right thing, and I think President Biden does, too. Unfortunately, you have staff like Dr. Uh, Dr. Rico, excuse me, um, did I get her name right? I'm sorry, Dr. Grifo. I'm tired, folks. You have people internal to the agency that basically are the ones that decide internally how allegations are going to be handled okay and you think well what's the problem with that well since the epa began that agency has struggled basically against wealthy corporations and other entities I won't say bribing, but coming close to it to get preferential treatment. Um, because once these former EPA employees, if they do what corporate likes, when while they're there at EPA, guess what? There comes that revolving door. And now they can enter those, those industries they previously were tasked with regulating. Talk about a conflict of interest. And The problem extends far beyond the obvious political employees. We expect that. The revolving door, we talk about that within political appointees. It's not just them. Okay. According to Hersey, quote, it's extremely difficult to weed out the influence of the regulated industries. Okay. And Hersey goes, and quote, Hersey goes on to describe how especially energy and chemical companies have influenced Scientific employees, not just not just polit- not just appointees, at all levels in the EPA. To quote her, the quote the staff person wants to become a branch chief, the branch chief wants to become a division director, and the division directors want to be office directors and then assistant the administrators. From there, they go to industry. End quote. Okay, and so the current policy, ironically, according to the article, deputizes office directors and deputy directors to handle these scientific integrity complaints. So you have this built-in conflict of interest, and basically it's the, a whole bunch of foxes guarding the henhouse. Um, there was an EPA chemist and president of Chapter 280 of the National Treasury Employees Union named Amer al Madalal, quoted as saying, quote, there's a conflict there. It's not in the interest of the senior managers to bring these violations to the committee, end quote. A scientist who filed an integrity complaint, uh, another one, worried about assigning managers any role regarding these scientific integrity issues. Quote, managers are not just complicit in integrity violations, but in some cases they they are the agents of the integrity violations. I'm going to repeat this. One unknown scientist who filed an integrity complaint was quoted with this, quote, managers are, meaning EPA managers, managers are not just complicit in integrity violations, but in some cases they are the agents of the integrity violations. The corruption is that deep. When Dr. Grifo, who heads this integrity issue, was asked about how division heads are involved in the scientific integrity process. Um, She claimed if people are worried about speaking to their own managers, they can reach out to her directly or to managers in other divisions of the agency. Really? And yet Grifos failed to dismiss and otherwise discipline these same corrupt officials. So why would any ethical EPA scientist go to her It's akin to complaining about an abuser and you complain about your abuser to their complicit mother. It doesn't work. So what about the cleanups? How are we going to fix the EPA? Now, scientists have left the agency in huge numbers during the Trump administration. And the unnamed scientist that we've quoted throughout um, thought about quitting as well was quoted as saying, quote, we were at a point as a group where we would either leave our colleagues in the dust to be abused and ground out or try and do something about it. So they tried to stay and they filed a scientific, science integrity complaint You know, once again. Um, it's just insane. This article went on to also claim that Grifo as well considered leaving during the Trump years. Uh, and during the Trump years, Dr. Grifo um, basically was sidelined and silenced, and her office was sidelined and silenced. And yet, if she had blown the whistle on Trump and his buddies, it would have done some good. It could have led to a forced congressional investigation and possible criminal charges against compromised EPA staffers. And again, this is another instance where you have scientific personnel who did not have the integrity themselves who did not have the courage to stand up to Trump and risk their jobs. And I'll point to Dr. Fauci as a perfect example. He could have blown the whistle on COVID long beforehand, but he didn't want to risk his job. He thought, I don't know, maybe he could handle Trump. Nonsense. As a professional person myself, you have an obligation that when you know something is corrupt, yes you must blow the whistle it's not about whether or not you think you can change them that's that's an excuse but i'm getting sidelined here so dr grifo's office was so muzzled so badly that house members invited her to a hearing on a bill that would have given scientific integrity protections the force of law this was in 2019 And according to documentation from NPR, Grifo wasn't even allowed to testify. And it gets worse. According to documentation from Casino.org, the EPA sent – I'm just going to read this exactly. You you can't make this step up. Quote, the EPA sent a former Trump campaign worker who has ties to a Las Vegas casino and no science background, end quote, to testify at this hearing this hearing that would have given scientific integrity pro- protections the force of law. Unbelievable. Now, Grifo was quoted as saying, quote, do I stay being partially effective or do I go and do something else or do I go and end up on the front page of the Times? End quote. Okay. And she said she wanted to be around for the cleanup, end quote. Okay. Grifo goes on to say, quote, my fear is that it's going to be back to square one as soon as we get another bad president and off. I'm um, sorry, I take that back. This is an unnamed scientist. So Grifo was quoted as saying, we want to be around for the cleanup. Okay, I can admit when I'm wrong. The article ends, though, with this, uh, the same unnamed scientist who's waiting on their ethical complaint, and they quoted as saying, quote, my fear is that it's going to go going to be back to square one as soon as we get another bad president in office. Unless we get some real change, we'll go right back to the dark ages. End quote. And again, I would like to know. Again, Grifo wasn't allowed to testify on a House hearing that on a bill that would have would have given force of law to would have given scientific integrity protection the force of law. We have a separation of powers. Now, I know that the pres- these agency heads are supposedly under the executive branch. But you know what? If she had been subpoenaed, then she would have had to testify. So I don't know about all that. So that's what's happening in EPA. You have a, a climate where there are far too many scientists, not just political employees, that are involved in that that revolving door situation where it would be prudent in terms of their careers to look the other way and not see at scientific data that would harm their corporate buddies. No matter how you call it, the EPA has too many people involved that have tampered with evidence and nothing's happened and as for Dr. Grifo, she should be held accountable. She has not done her job properly. Maybe it's time that they get somebody who will. Now we move on. The second part of the report. And that's how Congress defanged the Superfund. Originally, this report was going to be all about that. And then I found this other article. that ties together. So why did Superfund go broke? And make no mistake about it, folks. Superfund is broke. That's one of the reasons why all these Superfund sites have not been cleaned up. There is no money. So here's what happened. And this is according to a group. Okay. Um, So let me me move ahead. So after after the disaster of Love Canal, okay, this group is CHEJ, Congress passed the Superfund law in 1980. And it was supposed to protect communities that have been devastated by toxic pollution. Now, within the Superfund law, the law required that these big polluters pay into a fund that would be used to clean up their, me- their messes, and it was ca- it was casually referred to as the polluters pay tax, or polluters pay. Then came the contract on America with Newt Gingrich and other peers. So in 1995, the polluters' pay tax was about to expire, and the Congress, controlled in both chambers by Republicans, decided not to renew it, so they let that tax expire. That was in 95, by 03, the Superfund was, according to this article, running on empty. It was broke. And so because there's not enough money, there's been a slower rate of cleanup. More people are exposed to toxic chemicals, nuclear waste. They're raising children in polluted homes. One of the estimates is that one out of every six Americans lives within the boundaries of some sort of toxic, po- toxically polluted area. One in six. Okay. So this group basically is they're try, They're basically saying we need to make, we have to reinstitute the polluters' pay tax. Okay? They're saying chemical, oil, and gas, and other corporations have to pay to clean up the mess they made. Um, and since our economy's struggling with COVID, climate change is getting worse, the public shouldn't have to pay for this. Polluters and large corporations need to pay restitution for the damage they've done. So, and again, the uh, U.S. uh has also said the Superfund is underfunded. And according to their U.S. PERG Education Fund, they have a major report that was just released, uh, and it is titled Superfund Underfunded. Um, how taxpayers have been left with a toxic financial burden, and it was released, Just this past February. According to their executive summary, again, the same thing. Congress passed the Superfund law, which is officially called the Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation, and Liability Act, or CERCLA. Notice the word liability in there, because these big polluters are liable. The Superfund program was given authority and money to hold polluters responsible for cleaning up contaminated waste sites or to clean up the sites themselves if a responsible party couldn't be found or to afford the cleanup. And these toxic sites, according to this report, contain, quote, some of the most hazardous chemicals known to humankind, end quote. Um, There was a Superfund Toxic Waste Program. It protects people from these contaminants and the health problems that come along with it. And the make polluters pay tax was originally funded by a tax, guess who, on the chemical and petroleum industries. Sound familiar? They're trying to reinstitute it, all right? And right now we have Congressman Pallone in the House and Senator Cory Booker in the Senate where they are trying to bring back the polluters tax. But according to the Office of Congressman Pallone, they explained further, they talked about what were called orphaned sites. Orphan sites are where the polluters either went totally broke or they transferred the liability to some phantom corporation. In other words, a way to evade paying. Um, and so the Superfund, there was a Superfund trust fund that was used to clean up those orphan sites. And according to Cologne, quote, where the party responsible for the pollution either no longer existed or could not afford the cost of the cleanup, end quote. And that's something that has to be brought back. Okay, there's there's so many of these toxic sites that have never been cleaned up. We have one in St. Louis right now, Westlake. Um and taxpayers have been helped have been left with this they've called it a toxic financial burden for toxic pollution and that's what it is there's over 1300 superfund toxic waste sites in the US and they contain chemi- the following hazardous chemicals arsenic lead asbestos dioxin and several others okay so Pallone in the house and Cory Booker in the Senate, both from New Jersey, they want to reinstate the Superfund tax so that polluters pay for the cleanup of Superfund sites and not the taxpayers. Way overdue. To quote Congressman Pallone, the American taxpayers should not be paying for the mistakes of corporate polluters. Superfund sites threaten public and environmental health in New Jersey and, around the, and across the country, and those sites can be cleaned up faster with adequate funding. The Superfund polluter... Pays Act will replenish the necessary fund by holding corporations accountable for environmental degradation. Congress must step up and pass legislation that protects hardworking families from having to pay for the misdeeds of corporate polluters. Okay, pretty much says it. This this part of the report is just that obvious. Okay. Uh, Senator Booker was quoted as saying Superfund sites don't just contaminate the ground and water. The high levels of carcinogens that seep out have led to heightened risk of cancers, birth defects, and other serious health problems. The stakes could not be higher for New Jerseyans. Half of our state lives within three miles of one of these Superfund sites. It's time to address this injustice, clean up these sites, and hold polluting industries accountable for conditions they would never accept in their own communities. Okay, so Congressman Earl Blumenhauer went on to say, this administration understands that we cannot, we cannot rebuild and renew America in an equitable way when we have hundreds of Superfund sites that are not getting cleaned up, most of which are in communities of color and low-income neighborhoods. With the support of President Biden, the landscape is more favorable than it has, than it has been in 30 years to revoke the unjust handout that Republicans gifted to some of the country's most egregious polluters. By renewing the Superfund tax, the industries that had a hand in creating the problem, not taxpayers, will once again be held accountable for cleaning it up. More importantly, we can put tens of thousands of people to work by investing in the cleanup of these polluted sites. It's a common sense and long overdue way to benefit the environment, local communities, and the economy. Okay, now... One more, Marcus Sibley, chair of the New Jersey State Conference NAACP Environmental and Climate Justice Committee speaks out, and he's saying those who commit crimes, environmental or otherwise, have to pay restitution, why should corporations be off the hook? And here's Marcus Sibley, quote, in our country, people who commit minor crimes have to pay restitution fines. Even if they are poor or if the crime was out of necessity, they owe a debt to society for their infraction. Now, in the instance of Superfund sites, we're content with the rich entities responsible for massive amounts of pollution in our environment not paying their fair share? Unacceptable. Therefore, the New Jersey State Conference NAACP Environmental and Climate Justice Committee commends Congressman Polone's reintroduction of the Superfund Polluter Pays Act. The victims should not foot the bill left by the perpetrators, end quote. Okay. So those are the two parts of this report. We have a culture inside the EPA, which, again, I believe that Michael Regan and President Biden want to clean it up, I I, I want to believe that, I do. Michael Regan, EPA Administrator Michael Regan started out well when he fired 40 internal EPA employees that were involved in manipulating data, and that's great but there are still far too many career EPA employees, not just political appointees that have been, if not obviously bribed, that have been influenced, shall we say, by corporate, by the same corporations they're tasked with regulating and they want to be employed and make the big bucks by these other industries for that revolving door. We have to do something about that. We can't allow this revolving door to continue. It is an invitation to massive corruption. We have, not just during the Trump era, but throughout, data that has been not just left out. We've had data that was tampered with, where the public's been left to believe that the situation wasn't as hazardous as it truly was with cancer rates skyrocketing, not just for adults, but for children as well. What is it going to take to get honest science again? But there's a couple other points I want to talk about. You know, the ETA has become ineffectual. There was greenwashing. First of all, the science integrity policy of Dr. Grifo has no teeth. There's no right to pursue any disciplinary measures for scientists cover up wrongdoing on the part of polluters and their corporate attorneys. That has to change. Whistleblowers have to be able to come directly to a superior, not worry about being retaliated against and say, look, this is fraudulent data. Then we have the Superfund itself. It was defanged. The GOP allowed that the polluters pay provision of of the Superfund law to expire. Okay, so I have a few questions still before I end this report. First of all, the science, integrity pro- uh, the science integrity process was arrived at, but the five unions allegedly set up to represent various scientists and other EPA employees were excluded from negotiations on whistleblowing. Why? Who excluded them? And when are they going when are these unions going to be allowed into those negotiations? Two. Why didn't the Department of Justice investigate and possibly prosecute EPA personnel who were tampering with data? Data that affects the air we breathe and the water we drink. Okay? In any other line of work, if you especially in science, if you tamper with data, That's the same as tampering with evidence. It's a felony, period. And for Dr. Grifo to claim we're not about punishing people, you can't have accountability, first of all, without transparency, knowing what's going on and seeing all the data and having it honestly assessed. Secondly, you can't have accountability if there's no forced restitution. Of course accountability involves some punishment. Otherwise, you have absolutely no deterrent force. So that's part of it, too. And then, finally, my last question. Seems like I have more questions than answers these days. The polluters' pay rule in the Superfund law had an expiration date. Why? Why was there an expiration date on forcing polluters to pay restitution and holding them liable for the crimes they commit. Corporations and other polluters should always have to pay restitution. Why were they allowing the corporate person, as the late Justice Kalia said, why would you allow them, well, we know why, It's big money, but the point is this, why was there an expiration date, why did Congress write the law that way? Now, I'm sure the Republicans had something to do with it and probably some corporate Democrats too because these corporate polluters didn't want the law to be too strict. But we have to be able to hold members of Congress accountable as well. If you have true rule of law, when somebody commits a crime, as they have, they're liable, both civilly and criminally. And there should be no expiration date on making polluters pay, or making any criminal pay. That's nonsense. We either have rule of law or we don't. And the problem is that we've had too many attorneys, especially corporate attorneys, in my opinion, that have basically nickel and dimed the law and nitpicked it to death so that it's no longer rule of law. It's a rule of suggestion. So again, why was there an expiration date on the polluter's pay rule? There shouldn't have been. If you could have an expiration date on the polluter's pay rule, you could have theoretically an expiration date on civil rights. And actually we did. We saw that with the Supreme Court and I believe with the Sheffield case where basically some of the provisions of the Voting Rights Act were stripped away by the Supreme Court because they said, oh, we don't need this anymore. There's an expiration date. There should never be an expiration date on a person's right to justice. There should never be an expiration date on a community's right to justice. There should never be an expiration date on rule of law, period. It's my opinion. I hope you enjoyed this show and learned something about it. We will be talking about this more again. So with that, I will say good night and God bless. Thanks for tuning in.